Danae Jaycox. Um, I've been at Harvest for about three and a half years. My husband and I lead a small group um, in our home in Rogers. Um, and if, if you know anything about us as a couple and me personally, you know that this discipleship, this mentorship stuff is just, it's where my heart is. Um, I'm so passionate about this. I've seen the life change that can occur when women walk with other women, when people walk with other people towards Jesus. You know, and that's, that's the next step, right? Like, once you once you're your gods, then the next step is knowing him, and the next step of that is walking with someone towards him. So there's so much because I am so passionate about it. There's so much that I love to cover with you guys, but y'all didn't pack for all night, so we're just gonna have to be concise and do what we can do tonight um, in the time that we have. But like they mentioned, um, I'm gonna start with just talking about expectations. Um, expectations are an important, huge vital part of mentorship. Um, you walk into a relationship, any relationship really, with your own expectations. You walk in with your own hurts, your own pains, your own baggage. Um, and if you're not setting those expectations, if you're not saying those expectations, the other person has their own set too, right? Um, and I'd love, I'd absolutely love to be able to give you a piece of paper that says, okay, this is the expectation you need to set with this person and you need to go through it all like that. But that's just not practical, right? Because every, like I said, everybody's coming into this with different thoughts. Um, expectations are fluid, right? They're gonna change, they're gonna differ um, based on, like I said, um, where people are at. Um, I actually mentored a girl for a short time. She was actually one of the first ones that I ever met with. And she, um, I personally was not brave enough to set expectations. I was afraid of what she would think of me. I was afraid that she would, um, you know, think that I was mean or scary or whatever. And so I didn't set expectations. Um, in the relationship, sure enough, it became unhealthy, it became, um, hurtful to both of us, and we both left the relationship disappointed and hurt and had to work through that on our own. Um, but once you are matched with your mentor and mentee, I'm going to take some time personally to talk with you. Um, the forms that you fill out are gonna have lots of questions for you when you sign up that are gonna kind of dive into your own expectations and your own thoughts. And so when I match you with somebody, we're gonna cover a lot of that um, at that time. Um, but I do want to mention three questions that our mentors can ask and that our mentees can be thinking about even before you go into your relationship um, regarding expectations. So the first one is, why do you desire to be in a mentoring relationship? Um, you need to be examining your motives. Why do you want to do this? Do you want to do this because all your friends are doing it? Do you want to do this because, um, you know, maybe you just feel obligated in some way? Um, but you need to be examining that motive. The second one is, what do you hope to gain from being mentored. And like Kim said, what do you want to be at the end of 2021? How do you want your life to look different because of this relationship? And the third thing is, what are your expectations of me as your mentor? Um, and what do you desire my role to be? So some people want somebody to hold their hand and walk with them and, and just you know spell it out. And other people want to have a little bit more freedom and want to be able to kind of explore on their own and, and take a different route. And so having that, you know, this is what I expect of you and this is what you expect of me. And just having that conversation is a great place to start. Um, expectations, like I said, they're fluid though and they're gonna vary depending on the couple. They can't be the same for everyone, but what can be the same for everyone is your mindset in this mentoring relationship. And that's what I want to spend the majority of our time talking about. Um, we're gonna talk about the mindset that you as a mentor and also as a mentee need to have going into this relationship. If you have the proper mindset, it's a mindset on Christ, we see in Romans 6, 8 that you have life and peace, but also you'll be able to engage correctly in your discipleship relationship. So I'm gonna start with some questions for you guys to be thinking about. Um, the first one's gonna be, do you love Jesus? 
And are you looking for a way to help others know him deeply so that they can experience all that he has for them? Um, the second one is, are you an experienced woman who would love to have other younger women, or hate for, I'm sorry, you would hate for other women to make the same mistakes that you've made, but you just don't know any young women to invest in? Um, and the third one is, do you have a consistent regular time with Jesus, but you feel like you plateaued spiritually, and you're just not growing at the rate that you used to grow at? If you resonated with any of those things, hold on, because becoming a mentor may be your next step in growth. It may be time for you to start pouring out rather than just taking in. So with that in mind, we're gonna cover four important aspects of the mentor mindset. The first one is modeling a life that glorifies God. The second one is making prayer the heartbeat of your relationship. The third one is to have a heart of love towards your mentee. And the fourth one is to make yourself and your life available to her. And that's really all mentorship is. If you could sum it up, that's all it is. It's walking together, you know, harvest women walk together, right? It's walking together towards Jesus. Mentorship is a show-me journey, and these ladies have discussed it. You know, sometimes it looks like having somebody over while you make dinner. It's one thing to go to church or be involved in a small group and see what other believers look like when they have that church hat on, but it's a totally different thing to watch how someone handles their marriage, handles their par handles parenting, handles their job, and all of those things. And I've had the privilege of having a couple of women invest in me um, and I've, I've seen what it looks like to discipline kids. I've seen what it looks like to fold laundry and read God's word and to prioritize date night, all of those kinds of things. And that's what doing life is. And that's all mentorship is. Mentorship's relational. Titus 2 speaks to this in the context of a more experienced woman teaching a younger woman. It says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. And that's all it is. It's living life with another woman in tow, teaching her the shape of life with Jesus. The second thing that's important for our mentor mindset is making prayer the heartbeat of your relationship. Now, this is something I didn't personally anticipate being such a large part of mentoring. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. But, you know, you pray for your mentee before your meetings together. And then you pray for them when you start your meetings together. And then you pray for them during the meeting when they're talking about a struggle. And then you pray for them before you leave them. And then you pray for them throughout the next week before you meet together. Like, that's the heartbeat of your relationship. Because that's the heartbeat of our relationship with God. I don't have a lot of experience in life, right? I'm pretty sure you can tell I'm pretty young, but, but I have learned one thing, and it's that if there's anything in your life that you feel powerless to change, prayer is the one thing that can change it. We have a relational God who wants us to cast our cares on him. So we see that a mentor needs to be modeling a life that glorifies God. She needs to be making prayer the heartbeat of the relationship. And the third thing is that she needs to have a heart of love towards her mentee. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8 says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you would become very dear to us. This isn't saying that you need to be their mom or that you need to take responsibility for them in that way, but you do need to be gentle and have affection towards them and be willing to share your life with them because they're dear to you. You become a spiritual mama encouraging them, loving them, and nourishing them from God's word. The first woman that really impacted my life in this way is a woman that I lovingly refer to as Mama O. 
Now, if there's any woman in this entire world that loves me even close to the way that my real mama does, it's Mama O. She saw this junior high girl um, and walked by my side through a lot of things. We've done everything from going out to lunch to getting ice cream, to reading our Bibles, and um, to, to weeping over sin or a trial or a struggle. And to this day, she's one of my very biggest encouragers. I almost always have a note from her in my Bible that she sent me telling me she's proud of me, that she's praying for me, and that, um, and, and from a, with a verse from God's Word, that's something she always, always includes. And actually, even before tonight, um, she messaged me and she told me, she told me, she's like, Danae, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm so thankful that you are stepping out and doing this. And, and that's, that's what, what mentorship is, right? It's seeing that life. It's life on life. It's seeing that and becoming that spiritual mama for somebody. Mrs. Or, I'm sorry, Mama O cared for me as if I were her own, and she shared not only the gospel of God, like we see from that passage, but also her own self, which leads right into our fourth point, which is making yourself and your life available to her. Your mentee should know that she won't be bothering you if she calls up and she needs someone to talk to. She should know that you're there to hold her accountable and to help her make right choices and just be a listening ear when she needs one. Your mentee does not need you to have a perfect life. If you walk away from tonight believing that, I think you've missed, you've missed it. You know, that's something we've hit on. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. She just needs you to share your life with her. One of the girls that I meet with, she's seen my massive laundry pile on the sofa. She's run to Sonic with me when I just need to get out of the house because I'm getting ready to lose my mind. And she's walking with me as my husband and I seek to grow our family. My life is available to her. It means so much more for your girl to see you doing your imperfect, your messy life than it does for them to see a fake, crazy, pretend perfect life. Part of being available is carving out time and space for her to process and figure things out. You as a mentor will ask a lot of questions. You will probably hold more space in those questions for her to process, then you're going to run your mouth because she needs somebody that she can bounce ideas off of. She needs somebody that she can process things with. Uh, with. Um, one thing that's been really hard for me to learn is not being afraid of a little bit of silence. Because sometimes in those moments of silence, that breakthrough happens. That moment where she realizes what God's trying to teach her. She sees what's happening. And there's a woman, another woman, that um, spent some time with me. Her name was Megan, and she made her life available to me shortly before my husband and I got married. Um, we, we were having one of our biggest discussions, you know, but, you know, I'm an Enneagram 8, so I yell, and I'm very passionate, so, you know, it was a fight. It was ugly. Um, but anyway, so I called her, and I was in tears, and I was upset, and I called her, and I tried to explain what was going on, and she stopped me, and she said, you know what, you and Josiah, you come on over. And so we showed up at her door um, in all of our fighting glory, and um, she was in the middle of dinner with her husband, but she left that, and her husband took, my husband, or my fiance at the time, took Josiah away into the other room, and she took me, and we sat on the couch. She held my hands, and she listened to me, and she cried with me, and she prayed with me, and she taught me how to work it out. Her dinner got cold, but she didn't care. She made herself available to me, and that availability has impacted me and shaped my early marriage. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7 says that for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as the Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said that light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. At the end of the day, you're not going to do everything right as a mentor. 
you will not always be patient, you will not always be loving, you will not always be kind, and you're probably gonna make some mistakes, and you may even hurt your mentee, but the treasure's not in us. It's not about us. The glory is not ours to begin with. It's God's. We're just his vessel. We are this humble vessel that God gets to work in and through, and that's what makes being a mentor so exciting because God uses our imperfections. He uses the way that our lives are messed up and crazy to bring him glory. If we were perfect, it would be us. It would all be all about us, but we're not perfect, and that's what is so cool. That's what's so cool. So for those of you that are thinking about you're just here because you know you kind of want to you want to be mentored. You know you want to have somebody walk with you. Um, so just like I did before, I talked about the mentors. I'm going to talk a little bit and ask some questions um, to see if any of these things resonate with you all. Are you struggling to develop consistent time with Jesus? Do you feel like God's word is a mystery to you and it's just something meant for those super Christians who have it all together? Maybe you're struggling as a wife or a mom or as a single woman. You're trying to please Jesus, but you just feel alone and like you need some help. And maybe, maybe you're just carrying a burden that just feels like too much for you to take by yourself. If any of those things resonated with you, um, just hold on for me um, because we're going we're to talk about that too. But the most important thing about being a mentee is having a heart that is seeking Jesus. That is all it really is. If you are genuinely interested in knowing God, being a mentee is for you. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 breaks it down a little bit more eloquently than that. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So that verse clearly breaks down four things that make up someone who's seeking Jesus. The first one is that they take initiative. It says in verse 1 that if you receive my words and treasure my commandments with you, Minty, that seeking Jesus is eager to know God in a deeper way. You know that Jesus can transform you, and you're willing to put in the work to know God more. The second trait of a healthy disciple from that passage is that they make their ear, they have a teachable heart, I'm sorry. Um, they make their ear attentive to wisdom, and they incline their heart to understanding. You're approachable about any topic. You're willing to be vulnerable. Your mentor cannot help you if you're not willing to be honest about where you're at. It does not do anyone any good for you to show up for your time with your mentor and tell her that you had a great week and that you spent seven days in God's word and life is great if in all reality that you did your homework in the car on the way over or, you know, for five minutes you spent, you know, that's not going to help anyone, right? Your mentor wants to be there for you, but, but she can't be there for you if you're not willing to be honest with her. She wants to help make a plan that'll make it work for you, but you've got to be honest. And the third trait of a healthy disciple of Jesus is that they have a desire to talk to God in passionate prayer. Verse 3 says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. In my walk with the Lord, there's one verse that I pray every time I sit down to read God's word. It's Psalm 25, 5. It says, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. I pray that back to God, and when I do, I walk away from my time with him filled up and closer to him. But if I go into my time with the Lord rushed, I don't walk away filled up. It's just another assignment. It's just another box on the to-do list. If you go into your time with your mentor calling out to God for understanding, he will show up with you. That is a prayer that he just can't wait to answer for you. 
The last trait that we see of a healthy disciple, number four, from Proverbs 2, is that they make seeking God their top priority. The verse says that if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's the kind of urgency we're talking about here. We're talking about the kind of urgency you would have if I told you that right now buried in your backyard was a million dollars. Y'all would not just be sitting here. You'd be making the right phone calls. You'd be reserving the backhoes. You'd be calling the excavators. You'd be asking the right questions to find that cash. You wouldn't say things like, well, you know, if I have a little bit of time this weekend, you know, I might grab a shovel and, and, and move some dirt or, or, well, you know what, my life's really busy right now. Maybe when my kids are older, I'll have time to, to, to dig in that backyard the way I should. No, that's ridiculous. You would not do that. You would go for it. You would find a way to find that cash. And that's the kind of urgency that we're talking about. That's the kind of urgency that we need to put towards seeking God. So to wrap this portion of our night up, I want to give you guys some options and a chance to respond. On the church website, we have under women's ministry two forms that are available for you. One is for our mentors and one is for our mentees. Um, if you are interested in filling out both and that's something you want to do, by all means, please, please do so. The forms themselves are fairly self-explanatory, um, but you, if you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to myself or Andrea Morgan. She's sitting right over there. She's going to be helping us um, match you with your mentor and helping us put that information together. After you fill out your form, um, I'm going to let you know that I received it. Um, and then I'm going to um, send you a copy of just some guidelines and some extra information that I don't have time tonight to cover. Um, but I will let you know we'll be in touch, and I'll match you with your mentor and your mentee. But before we go into worship tonight, I want to leave you ladies with one more thought. If you take away one thing from tonight, let it be this. Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, I count everything else as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Verse 12 continues saying, And not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Ladies, Christianity is not a passive thing. You are not going to wake up one day and be a godly woman. You're not going to wake up one day and have all this extra time to invest in God's word. You're not going to wake up one day and have supernatural strength to not snap at your husband or yell at your kids. And you're never going to conquer fear and anxiety on your own. It takes work and it takes surrender. But we have to keep in mind that Christ did not passively go to the cross for us either. He did not live his perfect life by accident. He was tempted, yet he was without sin. Paul says in that verse that everything else is a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is loss. It's nothing compared to knowing Jesus. I pray that you take your time to step out in faith and respond. Bring this decision before the Lord in prayer. Remember that nothing else in life is more important than knowing and seeking Jesus.